Hello and welcome to a very special Christmas edition of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This Christmas edition is a best of the year 2017. I read a quote this week, travel, make memories, have adventures, because I guarantee that when you're 85 and on your deathbed, you won't think about that flashy car you bought or the 20 pairs of designer shoes you owned. But you will think about the time you got lost in your favourite city, the nights spent falling in love under the stars, and all the beautiful people you met along the way. You'll think of the moments that made you feel truly alive. And at the very end, those memories will be the only valuable possessions you own. Well, I've been through all the master files of my interviews this year, taking a snapshot of what people had to say. I have to say up front, I have no idea how I managed to delete the master files, of the New Zealand-based Australian pilgrims Scott and Belinda Ford, the hospitaleros Julianne Milne and Jenny Heesh, and the Australian mega-hiker Sam Clear. They didn't make the Christmas list, not because their story was not worth telling. It was, but they didn't make the list because I've misplaced the master audio files, and once they're gone, they're gone. So my apologies to Scott and Belinda, Jenny, Julianne and Sam. Their interviews are online, and they're well worth listening to. So let's start at week two of my Camino, the podcast, and I asked the Canadian pilgrims, Doug Proch and Miles Murphy, have they been able to make sense of it all? Miles Murphy first. Well, I mean, I will say that absolutely not. Uh, I, I mean, that is a that is a work in progress. Uh, I mean, every day I and I will say for sure every day I revisit that uh, the Camino every day I experience something different. And I am still at a loss, really, to explain the, uh, the, 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 the experience. It's, it's, impossible. it's impossible to explain it to anyone who has not traveled the Camino or has not uh, traveled as a pilgrim. I, I just ha- am at a total loss for words. Doug, have you been able to make sense of it? Have you been able to reconcile what it meant to you? No, it's, it's you know, it's just, um, I've... You know, I've been burnt by the sun. I've, you know, the the Spanish, the dust of Spain is, you know, it's in my pores. Uh, but I, I can't explain it. It's just, uh, it's, it's an experience, and uh, you know, it's, it's just something that people have to do. You, you know, you can look at the photographs and talk about them and try to, you know, share share a moment with with people. But it's truly something you have to live. Weeks three and four was the Australian filmmaker Bill Bennett. Bill talks about energy and poses a question many pilgrims ask. Everything is energy. Um, you know, the chair I'm sitting on at the moment is energy. The, um, you know, the, the voice that you hear is energy. We are all in a state of vibration. Everything is in a state of vibration. You've got the Camino, which has existed really before, you know, even during pagan times, people were walking to Cape Finisterre, um, you know, which was a big yeah. pagan site. It is, it is exactly, yeah. It's a route that has been, uh, it's a pilgrimage route that has been in existence for, you know, before the time of before the time of Christ. But, but certain, certainly, you know, let's say the last thousand years or so. You think of the millions of pilgrims that have walked that route, and you think then of the spiritual intent with which, which they carry with them as they're heading to Santiago. Um, spiritual intent is an energy. It's a vibration within them. We have you know, what, the, what Western science doesn't acknowledge, but what a lot of cultures do acknowledge. We have a chakra system, which is a subtle body, energetic uh, system of, um, of energy channels and nodes within, within our body. Um, there are chakras and there are energy nodes in our feet. As we walk, our spiritual intent, which is, um, which is an energy, is imprinted. We leave an imprint. You know, okay, so, let, so let's say this. You, you can walk into a room and there, there are people in the room, you know, like there might be a married couple in the room and you know they've just been having a fight. You just know it. Yeah. And that is the, that is the energy in the air. There is a transference of energy. On the Camino, I believe there is a transference of energy. Most pilgrims, not, not all of them, but, um, but those that allow it then to imprint. And so when other pilgrims then follow, they pick up that energetic imprint. And, you know, I firmly believe this is the reason why people in their 80s 
and yeah. sometimes older, can walk 800 kilometres. I mean, how does that make sense? Indeed, how do pilgrims, we'll say, well-travelled, how do they do it? It's one of the Camino's mysteries. I asked the Canadian broadcaster, Laurie Brown, what she learned about herself on the Camino. I learned two things about myself um, when I was on the Camino. Is One, I have always hated asking for help from anyone. I find it very difficult to do. And I had to do that when I was there. I when I would get into a town in the evening or in the beginning of the morning and I didn't know where I was going, um, I had to ask for help, and in a language I didn't know. Um, And so I learned something about myself there. I also am terrified of being lost, and I learned how to be lost on the Camino. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I didn't get found, but I learned how to be lost. (laughs) And yeah. and that was uh, that was a huge thing to get over, is to understand how to be lost and be okay with that. Um, and so for me, it was like I'm someone who has always felt like very much sort of in control of their lives. And uh, what was lying latent in the Camino for me is I had to learn how to be okay with being lost and giving up control, and that's what you have to do when you're on. My Camino mentor, José Luis Pedraza, was born and raised outside of Madrid. And I asked what the Spanish people make of the pilgrims. Uh, well, I think it's, it's part of our culture. You know, we, we are very open and uh, we, want, we want to welcome everyone uh, uh, to our homes to, to show, you know, what we do. Uh, and uh, in, in the Camino, actually, this is increased hundred times. Yeah. Because you know what the people is suffering or what the people is going through. And yeah. uh, actually, uh, that, that this also will increase 100 times, as I said. Yeah. Week 7 was the former US-based journalist and now Camino resident Rebecca Scott. And I wondered if you feel the energy of the Camino having lived there every day. Oh, sure I do. Um, it's not as easy to feel because you are having to pay the bills and, um, and deal with some not always wonderful people. Um, but, oh yeah, it's the place itself is got a serious juju, and I'm very, very happy to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> a serious juju. Yes, it, yes, indeed. <laughs> if you are a spiritual person, if you have uh, a lively inner life, yes, you can plug into the spirituality of, of anywhere, any, any place you are. So, uh, oh, for, for sure. Um, I have no doubt about it. But if you are, if you're not into that sort of thing, so to speak, you know, so you're not going to get that. And I, I hate to be exclusive and I hate to be judgy or whatever you want to call that. But no, this is how it is. Um, spiritual people get a whole lot more out of this experience and non-spiritual people can, you know, s- discover the spirituality that lives in them in this place because it's so lively. The following week was the Australian authors Ailsa Piper and Monsignor Tony Doherty. They'd walked separately on the Camino and had just launched a book featuring their correspondence called The Attachment. And I asked each of them for a Camino highlight. The moment that comes first to mind was actually in uh, a little town called Lhasa, which is up in Galicia on the Vila La Plata. And there was a woman in a shop and I was having, at the end of a bad day, I'd walked in there and... um, we somehow got talking about our mothers and both of our mothers had died many years ago. We talked about family and everything and suddenly we were both in floods of tears and she grabbed me and she said this whole thing about the fact that life is sol y sombra, sun and shadow, and that you can't have one without the other. And suddenly we were laughing and then she told me that sol y sombra is a drink and that it's anise and brandy. It's this <laughs> lethal concoction and I must have it. Well, of course, I developed such a taste for it. It was fantastic. But it was the thing, sun and shadow, you know, when I think about her a lot, I always think about Sally Sombra since then because I don't think you need to suffer in order to have happiness, but I sure as hell think that if you've had some shadow, my God, you love the sun a whole lot more when you get it. You know, and I, I think fantastic. about... It was beautiful. And, I, you know, so I highly recommend to people asking for a Soli Sombra in a, in a bar. <laughs> but, you know, that was one of my moments that sticks like glue. Mm. Tony? A favourite moment? 
Yes, interesting. I like telling a story. It's um, my companion on the first Camino uh, was not with me. He he had a little bit of a, a foot problem, and uh, I was by myself. And uh, I walked out of this little place called El Ganzo. I walked out and it was raining. It was raining quite heavily and it was cold. So I put on my golf gear, my golf stuff, and, uh, and uh, put on my hat. Had my sandals, had my pack on, and uh, I went out walking in the rain. And walking in the heavy rain, but dry, I, I was overcome with a feeling of euphoria of freedom. Now, I suppose it was that normally, again, in this organised life of mine here, in the rain I'll have an umbrella or I'll get home, stay home or I'll think, oh, isn't it awful? But here I was actually walking about 30 k's. Uh, the first 10 of it was in rain and I thought I was euphoric. I was listening to a bit of music and I, and I found it a moment of, it seemed to counter so many other principles of my life that I'm constrained by. One of them which is the weather perhaps, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was free of that and I thought, isn't this fantastic, you know. So, strange moment, walking in the rain. The Australian pilgrim Anne Eidstein gives her advice to someone thinking of walking. I think if you're thinking of it, do it. You know, don't don't put it off. You can do it. You you, you know, I'd say to people, you're better prepared than you think you are. Um, you don't have to be, you know, super fit at the gym. I that's definitely do it. And I think travel light. You know, as light as you can, because one, it's good for your back, but two, it's good for your mind and soul to travel light. It really gives you that true experience. And just be open. And be open to everything around you. Don't don't go like you said before. Something about expectations. So many things people talk about that happened to them that they could never have anticipated. So you go go with an open mind. Yeah. The U.S. veteran Brad Gennaro explains how he coped coming home from the fields of war, and he eventually set up veterans on the Camino. And he made an interesting point about people coming home from war. You know, in days gone by, a, a military unit uh, would, would go to battle, and then they would gradually decompress as they left the battlefield and marched home. Now, it's a matter of, you know, from the battlefield to 24 hours later, you're shopping at Walmart. There's <laughs> no real time to uh, to deal with that. And no real, you know, the, while, while you're out there, it's fine because you're you're with everybody and everybody's going through the same things and, and you're dealing with it and you've got a mission. It's when you come back uh, and, and you don't have a time, a period of time to decompress and work things out that you run into problems. Brad now runs Veterans on the Camino and takes each year a number of vets on the Camino to help them transition back to civilian life. The next week I spoke with the Australian veteran Mick McQueen. He was preparing to walk the Camino carrying 41 poppies, a flower for each Australian who died in the war in Afghanistan. And in the course of that interview, Mick told me, and it was the first time he'd decided to talk about it, he told me he'd been abused by a clergyman as a child. He also said he'd shot a man dead in a federal police operation. Mick was a troubled soul. He lived his whole life in the armed services. You know what? You know, I, I made a break from the army and my mates all keep running around in can this and green. I won't have anything green at all. Nothing green. Um, I went in there and they're trying to say, oh, I have this packet has got green on it. No. You know, this shirt's got green. No. And uh, I just now I, I finished with the army. And some people I think some people think go too far, and they they sort of get out and there's just they just think you've got to say goodbye to it. You yeah, know, you're not yeah. in the army anymore. Yeah, yeah. You, you're not in the army, and, and you've got to let it go. You know what I mean? You can support it and do anything like, but you know, let's just, let's move on. And, and this is what I'm trying to do with the Camino, the way I'm trying to move on. And um, gee, you know, I'd love to have a chat. To you when I finish it, and um, absolutely uh, tell you how I feel. Short, short fifteen minute chat. Tell you how I feel and uh, and what it did to me because um, I'm going to experience it. I'm not going to race it. I'm just going to take my time, and I'm going. I want to. I want to feel it. I want to. I want to feel the Camino experience. You know, I want to do it, and uh, uh, and I want to change. I want to be a better person. So on his return, Mick talks about his Camino, and forgive me, but it's a great podcast. 
But for this highlights package, I couldn't go past him talking about his German friend. It's, 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 it's indescribable to tell you um, the difference between speaking to people um, that haven't done the Camino, people that are on the Camino. It's family. It's a family unit, and it's an international family unit. It's um, you join the Camino, you join the family. And we don't shake hands on the Camino. We hug. Everybody hugs. You have four people and there'll be someone walking down the road. Everyone seems to know someone else. I mean, the to tell you what it's like, okay, I'll describe two Germans that we met along the way and guys got a big, big, two little bands all around it. There's two of them joined together. And... They couldn't speak hardly any English, but every time they saw us having a vino or something in a little bar or something, they come up and uh, and they're basically saying, I know what you're doing and I've got respect. The guy actually sent me a text after I friended him on Facebook in broken English and his respect for what we're doing is unbelievable. And we kept meeting and meeting. We actually met him on the way to the lighthouse. And... um you know, basically walk with him and uh, it, it's it, he tried to indicate that we're friends for life and we just met him along the way. 70-year-old pilgrim Will Bogue walks the Camino raising awareness of Parkinson's disease. He suffers from it. And I asked him if he was scared of the disease and his response surprised me. No. Um, and it, really interesting question because I've looked at the uh, people looking for a uh, a cure and as I walk the Camino I've, I'm raising money to find a cure but at this stage I don't really want a cure because I'm meeting so many challenges that a cure might not stop those challenges being realised. The Sri Lankan born author Dr. Sanjeeva Vijasinga walked the Camino with his son, Shivanta. And Sanjeeva tells a story about crossing the Pyrenees. The physical side, at first I thought when we were going, uh, we had to cross the Pyrenees. And uh, I told Shivanta, Shivanta, I may not be able to make this uh, easily, so let's walk slowly. He said, no problem, Tati, you walk. And uh, again, I learned the, I've learned some Camino lessons and one is that you can take any journey as long as you take it slowly, step by step, you can complete the journey. So he walked slowly over the Pyrenees and uh, then there's another, st- another stage where there was a fairly steep hill and we were walking together and uh, Shivanta walked on ahead because I was taking it very slowly. So then he turned around and he said, Tati, Give me your pack, I'll take your pack. And straight away I said, Nah, Shivanta, I can manage, don't worry. So he said, Okay. And he walked on ahead. And after another 10 or 15 minutes, he waited for me. And as I came, he said, Tati, I'll take your pack because the going is tough for you. By now, my refusal was a little less um, reluctant. <laughs> and uh, I said, Nah, Shivanta, you can't take two packs, man. I'll, I'll manage, don't worry. He looked at me and he said, Okay. And he walked on. And the third time, when he was waiting for me and I walked up, he didn't ask. He just said, Tati, give me a pack. And he took my pack and put it in front of him and had his swag behind it. There was me happily walking with the two sticks with no pack. And uh, we passed a German pilgrim who, who must have weighed 130 kilos if he weighed a single gram. Oh. And he looked rather enviously at me and said, Oh, you have a good friend. He carries your pack. I said, nah, he's not my friend. He's my son. Implying that, you know, it's his son's duty to carry the father's pack. <laughs> and then he looked at me and said, you have a good friend for a son. And I think that also summed up what uh, we realized on the Camino that um, I told Shivanta, I said, you know, son, if you're not my son, you're the sort of fellow I'd have uh, uh, been very proud to call my friend, to be friends with. The book is called Strangers on the Camino, A Father, Son and a Holy Trail. In week 15, the US actor and blogger Ginny Bartolone tells a story every pilgrim should hear because it's so true. We were about three days in and we met another girl about our age from Canada. And she told us that the first time she had hiked the Camino, she had um, 
ripped her Achilles tendon about four days in. And she was about a mile outside of a town where anyone could help her. And a pilgrim had to go back and find someone. And it was, it was a, a dangerous situation. And she said that she believed one of the reasons why this happened is because she was not rolling her feet correctly as she was walking up hills and she was rushing. So her message for us was don't rush and listen to your body whenever it tells you that anything is wrong. And up until that point, before we had met her, we were rushing. There's this feeling in the beginning that, where we had created in our heads that if you didn't walk fast enough, that maybe you wouldn't get a bed at the end of the day. Especially in the first few towns, yeah. we felt like people were saying, if you don't get there by two o'clock, you won't have a place to stay. So we started to kind of truck it. And in doing that, we were getting grouchy. We were hurting ourselves. And when we met, you know, this friend who said the thing about how she significantly yeah. injured herself and had to go home in her first attempt, she said, if, if you injure yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. So... About a day after she gave us that message, another girl I was walking with had a bruise on the top of her foot, and she found out it was a bruised bone. And we had this realization that if we stopped, we would either have to separate from each other or maybe not make it in time for our flights in Santiago. Yeah. And then there was the other side that were like, well, we don't want to break this pilgrimage up either and get in a cab because that would be breaking you know, our whole you know, we're walking the whole thing. We're never yeah, getting in a yeah, car yeah. vow. But halfway through the day, she couldn't, she couldn't even hobble down the road. So we're like, what are we doing? Why are we trying to force ourselves to do something terrible? And that night we ended up stopping in a bar. Um, we had about 10 kilometers left that we were supposed to do, but we went to the bartender and we said, you know, we don't, there's nowhere to stay here. Our friend has really injured herself. Is there anywhere in this town where we can stay? And he said, I have an attic. Like, if that's not weird. So above this bar, we gave them, I think, like five euros each. And there was this, like, cute little crawl space. And we stayed in an attic and probably had one of the best nights on the Camino. It was just the three of us. And because we rested, we walked a very short period of time the next day. And her foot was able to start healing. And we realized the world didn't end. We didn't miss our flights. And if we had kept going or she had kept going on that injured foot, she might have not finished at all. So it was really important both hearing from her and hearing from different generations of people on the Camino saying like, hey, you injure your body now. You're, you're going to carry that with you for the rest of your life. The U.S. author, blogger and photographer Rachel Rukert wrote 20 undeniable facts about the Camino. One of them has to do with the necessities of life. You'll be in denial when you lose control of your bladder. <laughs> Rachel. There's stories here. I don't know how much detail we should go in here, though. You need to be through this one. <laughs> having a, you talk about having a Camino bladder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any Camino bladder stories? Well, I'm a bloke. Oh, that's true. Oh, how sexist and awful. Yeah, um, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I think I peed myself at least twice. Uh, and really have nothing to say. Totally excusable. Just, uh, yeah, it happens, I guess. But the point <laughs> needs to be made that there are not very many uh, facilities along the way, are there? No, no. And I think that's something long term. They kind of need to think through uh, a plan. Yeah, there, there's a lot of running off the path. You will know how urgent it is when you see someone by how quickly they are sprinting. The guidebook author, blogger and writer, Johnny Walker Santiago. Why do we remain connected to the Camino and tied to the pilgrimage? This is something I'm very, very interested in, Dan. And, and, and we don't know. We don't know what makes people come back and come back and come back. I think it's something to do with our personalities, but I think it's also to do with this very powerful experience of walking the Camino, of, of walking through Spain, of being with other pilgrims, and of course, eventually um, of reaching Santiago. And we talk about it and we think about it. And what do you do when your partner or your family are fed up listening to you talking about the Camino to Santiago? And you take to Facebook and the Camino Forum and where you can get fellowship 
Um, at one point in the Communal Forum, we described it as being like an albergue, where you meet strangers and you can have a chat and you can go over the experience and answer questions of, of new people who, who are at the stage that I was at, whatever, 14 or 15 years ago, of beginning to research the idea, learning about the concept, um, and gradually making the decision to do it. So I think it's a combination of all of these things. The Australian author Margaret Caffin says we're never too old to walk the way. I saw, the oldest I saw was 87, I think he was. Um, I even saw a guy with a baby in his backpack. <laughs> really? I did. And there were children walking with their parents, which really surprised me. But the kids seemed to have more energy than anyone. Um Oh, that was really lovely. So, but so yeah, I don't think age matters as long as you're healthy enough to walk it, and you do get very healthy anyway. I lost eleven kilos. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think anyone can do it. You just do it at your own pace. And the good thing with the Frances Camino is that there's little towns everywhere. You don't have to walk very far. Larry Phillips is co-convener of the Australian Pilgrims on the Camino Facebook page and he talks about walking with a guidebook in the palm of your hand. You talk to people and they say, oh, we're going to the top of the page. And for a long time, I couldn't understand what this top of the page was till I realised that all they were doing was following, for example, the Breely Guide to the top of his page for the map. And they thought, that's how you have to do it. The, the, the concept that you have to do it in a particular way, to me, is very alien and very foreign. Um, in 2016, when we were finishing, the last four days, we only walked from um, Ribadissu. So what should have taken two days, we took four days to walk. Right. Because we didn't want it to finish. I mean, uh, we actually stopped at Lavacola before we got to Santiago and stayed a night there. We knew our Camino family was in Santiago. We knew they were going in for dinner. But we didn't want our Camino to actually finish that way. We wanted to have an extra day. And yes, it was only a 10-kilometre walk, but it was an extra day. And it's, I think the hard part was finishing. I asked the award-winning US travel writer Stacey Wittig if we pray enough. Well, I know personally I probably, you know, I don't pray enough. I don't pray as much as I would like to pray. I feel like prayer is very powerful, that um, prayer can can change my life. It can help change other people's lives. Um, it can help with healing, the healing process. So I would say that, no, I, I really fall short in that. I think, you know, there's something about walking, you're moving your physical body. Um, you know, as your physical body breaks down from may, maybe hunger or walking too much, it's really a time for our emotions to bubble up. So, um, you know, when we become tired and hungry, that's time for our emotions to bubble up. But I also believe that we're a holistic person, that we're made up of three parts. So when our physical body starts to break down, our emotions bubble up, our spiritual aspect has to change. And so there's a shift in our spirit. And I think that whether we believe it or not, we can really feel it when we're walking Camino. The Australian blogger and corporate trainer Tanya Tivoli in week 23, were other pilgrims accepting of what you were going through on your Camino? Uh, absolutely. And I think um, just like in life, you attract the people that you need to attract into, you, into your world. And that was certainly the case on the Camino. So there were people, as I said, there was you know some people who were doing it for religious reasons. And I met them and they came and went um, clearly you know, that wasn't something that I was, um, you know, attracting uh, at that point. Um, but the people who became part of our family were people just like me. We were kind of searching for something, not really knowing what. Um, some of us were kind of looking at, well, this is the rest of our life now. So, you know, I'm, I turned 50 this year. That was another sort of reason to do the Camino. Um, and I, you know, it's sort of the rest of the rest of my life from here on. Uh, I've done mothering for 23 years, uh, and while I'll still be a mother for the rest of my life, you know, the kids are older and, and independent. And now, for me, it was it's you know it was about reassessing what it is that um, what's what's the next 20 years going to look like for me. And for the most part, most of our Camino family were kind of doing the same thing. We were kind of sort of stopping and, and assessing, and and so you would get into conversations with uh, with people that went deep very quickly uh, because you were all there for a common purpose. 
I asked the Australian pilgrim Lexi Connors, who walked the Camino Norte, did she feel the magic in Santiago? I didn't feel that in Santiago, but I absolutely felt that in Finisterre. Right. Uh, this place, this place was the real peaceful moment. Yeah, I'd yeah. never felt so happy, and there was not one thing that I could feel, like couldn't feel happy about. The, the Finisterre was the true place. Santiago for me is felt just emotional because. I was exhausted and having to say goodbye to everyone. This this is the memory that I had of it upon arriving and then leaving it the day after. I didn't stay too long. But ha- walking again three, and also I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready, which I'm sure you <laughs> felt. I wasn't ready to stop being a pilgrim. Um, I knew that the day that you arrive in Santiago, and this is definitely a word for anyone who's about to walk, just make the most of that day because that day you are a pilgrim. You have made it. Even like, don't rush to go and shower. Just, just be stinky for the day because <laughs> you, you, you earned it. You know, you earned that feeling. And people, people respect you. I mean, there's pilgrims everywhere. It's not like you're a, a sore thumb. You know, it's a, it's, it's your day because the next day, the day that you shower, or even that night, you're a tourist in a city. In, in a sense, and I know that's really kind of a bit cynical to say, but it's kind of true. You're not recognised so much. But um, so so I kind of have this in the back of my mind. It's like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to to give this up. And walking the extra three days to to Finisterre and just seeing that zero-kilometre mark and seeing the ocean again for the first time after two weeks, I just had this huge breath of fresh air. And you're right, it was so peaceful and I felt so calm, so at ease and so, so, again, so grateful, yeah. A Camino love story with Lonnie and Kjartan Verkvist. What's the greatest challenge of being a pilgrim? I think um, in some ways getting over myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think people walk for a lot of individual reasons, and myself included. You know, I had all these things I wanted to figure out. But I remember I had a really tough day one day, and I stopped and I was talking with this couple from Australia, actually. And one of the... Um, one of the guys looked at me and he's like, Lonnie, just have some fun, you know? And, and for me, you know, being a pilgrim, I think I always took things so seriously all the time. And, and at times I just needed to lighten up and enjoy the moment and, and just have some fun. On the Camino as a pilgrim, I, I, I don't think I had a lot of challenges. Of course, the physical blisters and, and all that stuff, but, but I was so in love with <laughs> most of my Camino and that really, enables you to 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 go far so so my 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 biggest challenges has been after the camino yeah yeah sure i kept coming home and 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 uh, having all these these ideas of uh i've had to to work a lot with myself and, and and grow quite a bit to 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 be able to to stay with Lenny, <laughs> so 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 it's for me it's definitely been the coming home and actually trying to hold on to 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 the Camino lessons and the Camino experiences that that that's been hard for me. The Irish pilgrim and blogger David Smith tells us how the Camino has impacted on his life. Like it's made it's made me realize what's important in life and um, and what's not not important in life. Um. Also, you know, I'm able to to um, there, there's certain things that I'm uh, that you know in the way that you would organise your own kit. You know, there's a lot of things that you that you you actually don't need. So there's a lot of things that that you, you that um, that you can you know put to one side and say, okay, I don't need that actual item. So I've actually managed to trim away a lot of my personal possessions. So as, as a result, so uh, pretty much everything that I own at the moment where, where I am is, is uh, like, I is what I need. Yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I've, I've given a good bit of weight, a good bit of weight to charity as well. So, so this is, a, this is something that has, has come as a direct result of the Camino. So it's, it's uh, that that's definitely a good thing. The founder of Camino Journeys for Women, Joanne Cashman, is a Reiki healer. And I ask her how to explain the energy on the Camino. It does show you where you are at mentally, emotionally, spiritually, anyway. If you, if you, if you really have some reflection on 
what's coming up for you on the Camino, then you can go a little bit deeper and um, maybe have some reflection time and work out what that, what that message is for you. I asked the Canadian author, blogger and life coach Sue Kenny if the Camino provides an opportunity to open our hearts. Yes, it gives the heart time to open. I like the way you're saying that because I felt on the Camino, when I put a backpack on, I had this feeling when I first put my backpack on that the straps around my shoulders were actually pulling my chest open ever so slightly as though I was physically being forced to, to open my ribs to, and then open my heart and, and walk probably more upright than I had been and, and to walk towards my destination with my heart open. And, and, and just all of the time that you have alone, the time that you have to think and ruminate uh, about what's important in life um, allows us the freedom to, to open our heart which sometimes we don't have that at home, but I found out since I came home that you can find it here. It's just a question of looking for it differently. The Canadian singer-songwriter, the Steel Town Pilgrim, Matthew Much, explains why he chooses to walk alone. One thing I always say, and, and, and I do understand that it's not for everyone, but I do always recommend that if you're willing to try to go alone, please do that. I think it's a much better experience. So, so because I firmly believe that, um, I, always, I always walk alone, which it doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, that, that I avoid people like the plague, but I, you know, I, I just, I'm more comfortable my, myself. And um, sure, I meet people during the day. We talk for a while, but ultimately we'll we'll split up. And so, yeah, I'm a big, big, uh, I'm a big uh, believer in solo walking. The founder of the Belgian tour company Go Camino, Elvira Rob, joined me in week 32, and we talk about her motivation. The Canadian author Jonathan Orsier said, "The start of any journey, whether pilgrimage or promenade, is one of life's true joys." It's particularly true of the Camino, isn't it, Elvira? Yes, um, it's it's a surprise. It's um, all the, the the conversations, the people you meet. Um, you never know what's. You, that's why I'm always so excited when I get up in the morning, even if I didn't get enough sleep because of some snoring people around. <laughs> I'm always exciting. I'm always excited, excited about um, what is who you will meet the next day, or if you come across some some animals, some a nice coffee shop, or or uh, you have a nice meal. So, but that's also the beauty about travel because you can't really pre- you can prepare, but not for everything. So, you never know what's going to be around the corner. So. So, That's what always excites me. That's this wanderlust. Like you want to know, like what's what's it like to live on the other side of the world? And the Irish pilgrim Robert Nugent walked the Camino with his then seven-year-old son Christopher. They walked the Portuguese way, and I wondered how it compared to the Camino Francis in particular in terms of spirituality. What you have in the the Camino that we did, you have people doing it in both directions because you have the yellow arrows going to. Um, to Santiago, and you have in the opposite direction, you have the blue arrows going to to Fatima. Ah. So you don't have people just going all in one direction. You you have people going in both directions uh, on the on the Camino, especially if it's uh, if it's around uh, you know some of the if, if it's around the time of year when when they celebrate Our Lady of Fatima, you 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 would have pilgrims coming down. And you've a lot of people doing it on the bike, going in both directions. So it's definitely a very religious route in that sense. Yeah, uh, I mean that 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 particular Camino, uh, part of the Camino, you you would say it's a very religious one. Week thirty-four was the Polish pilgrim and author Zbigniew Chubak, and he walked almost four thousand kilometers. I asked him if the Camino is for everyone. I think that Camino is not a competition. Camino is not uh, my Camino, such a long, such uh, demanding. Camino uh, is not a route. 
Camino is something that every person give from herself, from himself, and then he get backwards something. We create Caminos. So um, it is not a good question if uh, you can walk 4,000 kilometers, because you may walk 100 kilometers, 700 kilometers, and every time it will be special, every time it will be unique, and every time it will be yours, because my Camino is not yours Camino. And um, every comparison, uh, it would lead to, uh, I think, false um, false solutions, false ideas. So uh, anybody can walk Camino. Uh, everybody should choose their own um, distance uh, and uh, the way he want to walk, maybe uh, with a group, maybe with family, maybe alone. And every time uh, the Camino will be unique. And uh, what men should remember is as much you give, as much you get from Camino. The Italian visual artist Giuseppe Anello says he can't describe what the Camino means to him. We can only talk about uh, it, but it's impossible to explain. I think it's impossible because uh, it, uh, it's a, an emotion. Uh, I can't explain the emotions. Uh, we are only to live the emotions. And uh, yes, we can uh, speak about the Camino. I can uh, uh, say you, my... Uh, bad and, and beauty experience. Uh, I can uh, with my photos, uh, but is impossible for me. It's impossible uh, to tell the emotions. The co-convener of the Australian Pilgrims on Camino Facebook page, Susan Morris, shares her thoughts on the Camino family. Very, very, very special. Very important. Very special. It happens sort of um it happens when you don't realize it you know you you can be you're walking all by yourself and then suddenly there's someone beside you and that person becomes a part of your Camino family or not as the case may be but you know usually um most of most of the people that I met whilst walking on the Camino have become good friends in, in so many ways. The Welsh pilgrim Lee Roberts explains what happens to you when you finish your Camino. I think uh, you said to me on you know, many occasions, you know, um, the Camino doesn't begin until you hit Santiago. Mm. Uh, uh, and the Camino is special. It is unique. You know? People can put their boots on and walk all around the world. And you know, I have done, you know, I've done that in many places. But there is... Uh, there is an atmosphere to the Camino that is incredibly influential uh, on people. But I think the secret is, um, you know, to carry um, what, what you've learned, uh, um, what's influenced you, the people around you, your state of mind, you know, your willingness just to be you, and as you, as you were saying, the, um, the ability to be in the moment. And that is the challenge, I think. Yeah. For me, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how, how that unfolds. I would, I would hope that um, uh, that uh, calmness, you know, that happiness, and to use you know, a very appropriate word, the laughter that you carry around with you most of the day. So, you know, I would hope to to maintain that, to, to carry that into everyday, you know, everyday life. Authors Anne Buist and Graham Simpson wrote, The Camino novel Two Steps, it's a great read. It's about a couple who fall in love on the way. And I asked them, why do so many people find love on the Camino? Anne Buist. Yeah. Well, well there's a couple of things. Is, is the, um, I think it goes back to the 
Camino, the pilgrimage kind of concept, so that the people are going on it for a reason. And, and the practicalities of it, look at the two age groups that do the Camino Francis. You're either in your early 20s because you haven't started a job yet and you certainly haven't had kids, and therefore you're unlikely to have a partner. And let's face it, our early 20s is all about hooking up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the other groups that do it are the ones that are post that, where the kids are off their hands, um, and a lot of them are grieving a partner or a, a divorce. So they've got an obviously missing something in their life, and whilst they might not have gone on it specifically to find a partner, that is part of you know the, the emptiness that they're looking to fill. So it's not really all that surprising when you kind of think of it. Australian teacher Katie Trulson learned to just be. Katie wrote a poem on the Camino, a pilgrim poem by Katie Trulson. As autumn leaves fall all around, the footsteps of the pilgrims sound. Don't wait for me, just walk your way to grow your soul another day. The wind blows down the tree-lined streets. Cafe ahead, we stop to eat. Fresh grown fruit and veggies ripe. The company, a pure delight. As each step hits the ground below, the worries fade, emotions flow. A new day dawns, each day a chance to sit, let go more, to sing, to dance. In cobblestone courts, the music plays, thankful for much better days. Surrounded by old friends and new, my heart is full, my friends are true. And even though we're miles from home, not a day goes by where we feel alone. Each day I wake, so light and free, I finally found what it is to just be. The Canadian pilgrim Gordon Dempsey walked two Caminos in one year. Here, he tells the story of his Cruz de Ferro, the Iron Cross. Cruz de Ferro was actually was actually my uh, my goal on the first one. I wasn't overly concerned about reaching Santiago. I did want to make Cruz de Ferro, and to be my mother had died. Rather than bring a rock for my mother, I actually brought her false teeth. And I laid them at Cruz de Ferro. If they're still there, I couldn't find them. But yeah, my mother had a wonderful sense of humor, and she would have laughed her butt off thinking that her teeth were there. Australian filmmaker Bill Bennett returns to discuss his new film, PGS Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. Can we walk the Camino intuitively? But Bill found walking the Camino tougher than he'd expected. I did struggle. Um, and when, I, when it comes down to it, I realised that the reason I struggled was because of ego. What happened was that um, in my preparation for the Camino, I pushed my training too hard and I did damage. I didn't realise just how bad the damage was, but I did damage to my knee. So when I started off, I was a wounded creature. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was ego. You know, it was absolutely eager. Um, and I, you know, my 30 days of walking was a real, uh, I wrote in my memoir book, uh, The Way My Way, that it was um, a Camino of pain management. Um, but I was determined to finish. I, I didn't, I remember once on the Camino thinking, if somebody has to cut off my knee and replace it with titanium, you know, uh, leg or something, I don't care. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I just want to finish the Camino. I don't care what happens to me afterwards. I just want to finish the Camino. The author of Sinning Across Spain, Ailsa Piper, returns to tell us about a realisation that occurred on the Camino. I was keeping a journal, obviously, and I wrote one night very quickly what I call my credo, which was, you know, I believe this, I believe that. And when I came home, I thought, oh, wow, I learned what I do and don't believe, which was a really interesting thing for me. But one of those things is that I believe in confession with all my heart. Now, by that, I don't mean necessarily the Catholic notion of confession. Um, but I do think whether it be sitting down eye to eye you know, with another person. I mean, we're doing a form of confession at the moment. We're in a room together trying to talk as honestly as we can to each other. And I'm prepared to say to you my failings. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about that moment of, of saying to another person, this is the thing I'm least proud of. This is the thing I regret. This is the thing that caused harm to someone else. Um, I think there's something profoundly beautiful in that, but also profoundly releasing because the changes that my sinners had, and there were big changes as a result of it, I don't for a moment think they were to do with me. I think they were to do with the fact that one other person listened to them, took them seriously, 
And as a result of that, they took themselves maybe more seriously or they thought about themselves in a different way. So for six weeks as I was walking, people kind of felt this compulsion to look at their own actions in the light of the way I might be looking at them. And that's what I think confession is. It's like another person takes you seriously enough to consider this thing that you want to tell them. And as a result of it, some sort of release happens. I posed a question to the Canadian author of the book Walking Alone, Moni Dejeji. Her answer gave me goosebumps. When you walked in 2000, mm-hmm. what, what would you tell the young woman who was embarking on that journey of peace and freedom? What advice would you give yourself if you could whisper in your ear back in 2000? <laughs> you know, I would whisper in her ears, love is walking with you. Trust, you're okay. Everything that you need, you will receive. And every fear that you have will be dissolved in every step that you take on this path of peace. Stay steadfast in your journey. Keep your heart open and allow this path of peace to guide your steps. It won't ever fail you. So there you have a year's highlights from My Camino, the podcast. Thank you so much for your support and your company through 2017. I'll be back next week, Boxing Day, with another Pilgrim's Story. In the meantime, I've been in the recording studio working on the song I wrote on the Camino somewhere along the way, the Camino song. It'll be released early in the new year. Now, unfortunately, I can't play it in its entirety. As I've been told by the gurus and the experts, It'll be downloaded from the podcast and then widely distributed. And that, as far as the song's future is concerned, as I'm told, is a disaster. So here's a sample. Somewhere along the way, the Camino song is the first verse and first chorus. It'll be released early in the new year. So Merry Christmas, everyone, and thanks in particular to all of my guests throughout the year. You were amazing. Your insight, generosity of spirit and love overwhelmed me. You are pilgrims, and we are pilgrims together on the way and in life. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Peace.